0: Hey, good morning, Branches. What a great time of worship. I'm looking forward to the time when we can be back in the building, worshiping as one church, one community, one body. And that's going to be a great time that we will celebrate when it happens. But until now, let's just keep going with, with the church at home. This morning, I want to continue the conversation we've been having over the past couple of weeks and this, this idea of how to ruin your life, without even trying. And if you remember, if you've been with us the past couple weeks, we've been in Romans chapter one, and Paul started the book of Romans by talking about the good news, talking about the awesome news of Jesus coming, him being the Messiah, him being the Savior. And then Paul rolls into these few verses where he really talks about a life that spirals down and and spirals into ruin. And so we've been kind of teasing out what is it Paul's been talking about. And if you remember the first week we talked about that the first step, the foundational step that we make in a life ruined is that we refuse to recognize and to worship God. And verse 19 of chapter 1, Paul says this, he says, they know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky through everything God made They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Here's what Paul's saying. Paul is saying that creation reveals the reality of a God. Creation, God's creation cries out that God exists and reveals to every man that there is a God. So so when we refuse to recognize that there's a God and we refuse to worship a God, that's our first step. And in in Romans chapter, or verse, verse 21 of chapter one, here's how Paul says it. He says, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. So that's the first step. That's the foundational step of a ruined life. When you build your life and the foundation of your life, not recognizing and worshiping God, That's that's the beginning of a life ruin. Then Paul continues down this path that somebody can go on. And he, he starts to talk about the next steps that happen when we refuse to recognize God. And last week, we talked about how when we refuse to recognize God, we then create this false reality. Romans chapter 1, verses 21, the second part, and 22, he, he writes that, he says, And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, their minds became dark and confused, claiming to be wise instead they became utter fools. Think about this. If we refuse to recognize that all of creation is screaming out that, hey, there is a God that created, there is a God that exists, there is a God that loves you and wants to be in relationship with you, then we're we're just heading down this path, this alternate reality of what we are created to be. And then we have to think of ideas of who is this God or make up statements about what God is like or think about it, and Paul just calls it foolishness. Let's talk about the next thing that happens when we keep walking down this path. And the third part that Paul talks about is if we continue down this path, we then replace God. Verse 23, here's what he says He says, And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals. And reptiles. So, so the problem starts to happen that we refuse to recognize and worship the true God, and as a result, through our foolish thinking and our foolish understanding, we make up a God, we replace God, and we worship something that's alternative to the actual God. About a week and a half ago, my oldest daughter, Morgan, got married, and she married a man named Max Martinez, and we are very excited. We love Max, and we're excited for their new life. And in fact, yesterday, May 2nd, was their original date to have their wedding, but because of COVID-19, everything got switched up and changed, so they chose to have an intimate ceremony here in our home On April 21st. And it was just a handful of people who were helping to make the the ceremony happen that came to the house. We decorated the house and tried to make it as special as we can. We had this intimate ceremony, and then we had a great um, dinner afterwards, kind of as the reception. And just like any wedding, during the ceremony, Max and Morgan exchanged rings. And Morgan gave Max a nice gold band. And Max, in return, gave Morgan this beautiful vintage ring. And there's a story behind the ring that I want to tell you. The story goes like this, that back in the 40s, Max's great-great-grandmother immigrated from Sicily. And she landed in Birmingham, Alabama. And one day, his great-great-grandmother was downtown Birmingham and she strolled into this jewelry store where she sees this ring that she falls in love with. But the problem was that she could not afford this ring. And so she talked with the sh- the shop owner at the jewelry store and she made a deal with him that he would set the ring aside and that she committed that every week she would make a payment to him for the ring so that eventually she could own this ring. And so what she did is every week she put some cash inside an envelope and she gave it to her granddaughter, which is Max's grandmother, but gave it to her granddaughter. And her granddaughter was 11 years old and her granddaughter would walk down to the corner and get on a bus and ride the bus downtown and then walk to the jewelry store and deliver this envelope with cash week after week after week until finally in 1948... Max's great-great-grandmother was able to take home and and own this ring. The ring was then handed down to Max's great-grandmother and then his grandmother. And when Max chose to, to ask for Morgan to be his wife and spend the rest of their life together... Max's grandmother gave him this beautiful ring to be able to give to Morgan on her wedding day. And so I would imagine that even some of you right now want to see this ring and it's, it's a great ring. It's simple, but it's elegant and it's beautiful. And next time you see Morgan, you'll be able to, to see it. But here's the point of me telling you about this, this awesome story about this beautiful ring. What would be the problem? What would, what would happen if Morgan focused her life on the ring, and the story the, the 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 neat little story the maybe the 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 romantic story about how this ring came about to where she now wears it on her finger, what if she chose to to worship if you will the idea of this ring and the beauty of the ring and what the ring represented instead of Focusing on her marriage and her knowing Max and and them building a life together and becoming one and loving each other and focusing on the relationship that the ring represents. This this would you would say that was foolishness. You would say Morgan is 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 making a huge mistake. She's going to destroy the relationship that the ring represents. And this is what Paul's saying. Instead of us focusing. On our relationship with God, worshiping God, recognizing that He is in the center of our life, we have merely pushed Him aside and created things to replace Him, and so that's what we're talking about this morning. And I just want to cover maybe a few things that we do when we step into this down this path of a ruined life where we eventually replace God, and, and the, maybe the the challenge is for us to start to ask the question. Are there things in my life, are there people in my life that I have replaced God with? Are there things more important to me than God himself? And so here's the first thing that I think we do. When we replace God, we replace God and we have to fill the void. So if we reject God, then something has to take in his place because we, are recreate, we were created to be in relationship with our God. When we reject him, there's a void in our lives and nobody likes the void. In fact, we can't live without the void. We are not created. We are not made to let this void be in our life. So we have to fill it with something or someone. And the solution is that we create idols. And maybe we do this without even knowing it. Now, let me just give a a quick definition of an idol. An idol is anything or anyone that we invest our lives into to create happiness, pleasure, or a false sense of purpose. An idol is anyone or anything that takes the place or time in our lives above God. So when we reject God and we fail to worship Him and we fail to recognize Him in our life, and we fail to have him as the God, center of my life, I replace him, and I have to fill, fill the void where he is supposed to be. The next thing I think we do when we when we replace God is we create and we replace God with a pitiful substitute. There's nothing that can measure up to the greatness of God. And here's in Romans 1, 21 through 23, the Message Bible, I think the Message Bible puts it out there so clean and clear, this life of ruin and, and how to understand it. So I just want to read these, these verses out in the Message Bible. Here's how it says it. It says, people knew God perfectly well, But when they didn't treat him like God, refusing to worship him, they trivialized themselves into silliness and confusion so that there was neither sense nor direction left in their lives. They pretended to know it all, but were illiterate regarding life. They traded the glory of God, who holds the whole world in his hand, for cheap figurines you can buy at any roadside stand. Think about that when we replace god with a with a pitiful substitute it's like buying this chotsky at a corner market and saying this is my new god it's it doesn't measure up it's pitiful the next thing i think we do is we replace god using with our limited imagination. Now think about this. How pathetic is that that we can even remotely begin to create anything as great as, as God? How, how pathetic is it that for us to be fooled into thinking that anything as great as God can fill that void in our life? But this is what we do when we fail to recognize and worship God. Even the greatest minds with the greatest imaginations can never begin to create anything that would compare to God. Here's how Paul says it. Here's how Paul um, tells us about the greatness of God in Romans chapter 11. He says this, Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible is it for us to understand his decisions and his ways for who can know the Lord's thought for who knows enough to give him advice and who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back for Everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. Amen. Our minds are limited. Our our creative, creative abilities are limited as much as how great they are, but we never can create anything that measures up to God. We never could create anything or have anything that, substantial enough to fill the void of not having God in our life, worshiping him on a regular basis. The, the, last, the last point I want to make of when we fail to recognize and worship God and the, this path that we're on to, to a ruined life is that when we replace God, we replace God with what we can control and what controls us. And ultimately, we think we can control it, and it begins to control us without us maybe even knowing. In, in the book, The Good and Beautiful Life by James Bryan Smith, here's how he sums up idols. He says, idols serve us by giving us our desires. And we serve idols by sacrificing our life energy to it. When we allow people and things to take the place of our worship of God, we do this with control. And we think we have control. We want to have control in order to manipulate our existence. But instead to, of submitting to God's will in our lives, we we try to take control. And whatever that is that we try to take control it tends to have the ability to then take control of us. And this can be anything. This can be anything or this can be a re- relationship. Let's just talk about our cell phone. Here's my cell phone. Think about this. How many of you just in the, the, 15 minutes of this message have picked up your cell phone a couple times. You've responded to your cell phone because it beat, because a text came through, because you got distracted and your mind said, check my phone. We, we've become so accustomed to our phone that it, it can become an idol in our lives. We can't live without them. And we respond to our cell phones every beck and call. If we leave our phone at home and we're driving down the road, we will risk and we will be okay with being late to whatever we're going to just so we could turn around and get our phone and have it on our person for that day. Families, they sit at restaurants, um, around tables in restaurants to have a meal, and you can go into any restaurant and look, and every family member will be glued to their phone throughout the entire time of the meal that they're supposed to be having as a family. It's become an issue. We spend late nights on our phone playing Candy Crush or on social media or cruising Craigslist looking for that great deal that we're not going to buy anyways. Now here's the thing. Cell phones are good. They are meant to make our life easier in the age that we live in. But when our phone becomes our companion, when our phone becomes number one on top of anything else, on top of the relationships we're in, on top of the, the our relationship with God, and our phone takes the place of that, now our phone is our idol. And We think we can control it, but really our our phone controls us. When our phones or anything else or anyone else becomes our lives, we have replaced God with the things of the person that we think we can control. And ultimately, it begins to control us. Here's what what I want to ask you as branches. What does all this mean for us? Because my guess is you don't have a bunch of little mini idols and statuettes all over your house that you Bow to and pray to and worship, and obviously that's not the point of this morning's um, talk. The point is, is that we we begin to recognize what things have we allowed to control us. What things do we put in place of God, in place of submitting our lives and our relationship to God? So here's here's a couple things I would like for you to do this morning. The first thing we have to do is we have to identify. We have to identify. What are idols in my life? What are things in my life that I go to? That I think give me life, that I think give me purpose, that I think give me give me peace or happiness that are replacing God. What are things in my life? And we're going to have to press into this. We're going to have to to really ask ourselves as God number 1 in my life is worshiping God, is recognizing God, is submitting to his will for my life. Number 1 Or does that come later, after I've walked down and through all the little trials that I've put into my place? And we have to be honest with ourselves. What are the idols in my life? Secondly, who are the idols in my life? Is there relationships? Are there people in your life that take the place of your relationship with God? And This is a hard one because this means that there might be some adjustments. It doesn't mean that you have to end those relationships. It means you might have to adjust those relationships, recognizing that God needs to be number one, not a person, not a relationship. Here's the the final thing is once you've recognized these things and I've identified them then you need to commit. You need to commit those things or those people to come second to God, or maybe third to God, or come down the road to God. And we do this by by confession. We do this by going to God and saying, God, I recognize that I've placed this thing before you. I recognize that I've not submitted to you. And you ask God for his, his forgiveness. And he does that. He, he's quick to forgive and forget and cast away the sins that we have committed. And these are sins when we place something before God, when we have a God before the Almighty God. And so you have to be willing to do that. I have to be willing to spend some time and just say, God, what in my life do I need to submit to you? What, what has have I allowed in my life to come before you? And I need to, I need to be honest with myself and I need to recognize that here's what I want to do. I want to pray with you. And then we're going to go to what we call ministry time. And, and we're going to jump over to Alicia's house and she's going to lead us in that. And during that time, it's an opportunity for you to just begin the conversation with God about what are, what have you replaced him with? What, what, it, what, what, in your life, are or, or that you think is bringing peace and happiness and false identity, really needs to be removed so that God could come in and be the center of your life. And with that, you have the opportunity to receive prayer. And we would love to pray for you. You could send us a comment through through this this watch party. You could send us an email. You could go on our Facebook prayer page. We will pray for you. We will respond to you. We will walk with you on this journey. So pray with me. So Father. God, would you begin to show us in our lives things that are that are before you, things that we've replaced you with? And God, it could be simple things. It could be something that's greater that we just need some deliverance from. And God, as, as you begin to reveal those things to us, Lord, give us the strength, the, the courage and the knowledge to know that this is, this is good, that you love us and you want good for us, and and that you want to be in relationship with us, God, and have us be people that are willing to quickly submit these, these things that we've replaced you with to you and put you back in, in number one position in our life. God, would you just work in the hearts of each person that's hearing this message today, that's praying this prayer and begin to show them that the foundational truth is life with you and life in, in worship with you. And God, it's for your glory. We want to glorify you. We want to lift you up and bring glory to your name. Amen. Hey, Branches, maybe one of the assumptions I made in this message is that we all agree that that foundationally God needs to be in the center of our life. And I hope that's a, an assumption that you agree with me too, that yes, I know that I know that I know that God is for me, not against me. I know that God created me to be in relationship with Him, and my life needs to be built on this foundation of intimacy and worship with my Creator. If you don't know that, we want to pray with you. We want to, we want to share with you God's love for you. And we we just need you to reach out to us and, and say, Hey, I want to know that love. I want to know. And have that foundation of this relationship with God. And and that's what we're all about. We love you. Branches, I love you. I miss you. I'm looking forward to the time when we're in person seeing each other face to face. Let's go see and, and pray with Alicia.